Empty Mind. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Welcome to another episode of Equity Mate. It's a podcast where we follow our journey of investing. We break down the world of investing from beginning to dividend so that you can hopefully make some returns. My name is Bryce and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How's it going, bro? I'm very good, Bryce. Looking forward to this chat. I've got to pull back the curtain actually to to start the conversation. This is the first guest we've had on who's timing us and I'm really I'm really feeling the pressure not to waffle. I uh, I love I love it because yeah. usually I'm usually I'm giving you the eyes. Yeah, I know. It's time to wrap, but now um, our, our guest is doing it on I've become behalf. immune to the eyes. I can I can block you out, but I'm looking at this timer and I'm noticing how much I'm speaking. Well, I guess it is uh, I guess it is uh, time to welcome our guest for the second time on the show, Jessica Ramir from Bell Direct. Just welcome. Thanks, Bryce. Thanks, Alec or Ren. Yeah. (laughs) So if you haven't heard Jess on the show before, I think firstly go back and uh, have a listen to our first episode as we'll be reviewing a few of the bold predictions that we spoke about. But a bit of an intro to Jess. She was the head of news and content at Finance News Network, where she developed detailed research and content on financial markets. She also previously held roles at Money Management, Prime 7, Win News and ABC. She's a qualified financial planner with extensive experience at firms including AMP, Commonwealth Bank and Suncorp and is now a market analyst at Bell Direct. Great to have you back. So good to be back and what a time, eh? What a time, yes. Yes. (laughs) Recording on the 10th of November and we woke up this morning to, well, I think it was just before we went to bed actually that Pfizer had released an announcement that their vaccine for COVID is supposedly 90% effective. So it's been a pretty interesting night on the markets over in the US and I assume Mm. the ASX is going to go nuts this morning yeah, so yeah it's actually going to open while we're recording so yeah if, if you hear us if get you hear silence <laughs> <laughs> if you, you know hear, the boys are trading yeah, and, and me bryce are desperately <laughs> trying to buy Qantas stock this morning that's why <laughs> jess we normally like to start these interviews with a bit of a game and then we like to ask the story of your first investment but we've already done that with you so we're not going to retread old ground instead we want to ask a different introductory question one we haven't trialed before so mm-hmm. i Hopefully it goes well. Mm. Yes. Um, We want to ask, why do you invest? Hmm. Why do I invest? Well, primarily it's to grow my little pennies, (laughs) but it's all about backing a story for me. So I was a financial advisor, as Bryce said, and then I moved into journalism. So I love a good story. I know I shouldn't speak about Afterpay because we spoke about it too much last time. (laughs) (laughs) Never talk about it enough. (laughs) But look, someone told me about Afterpay at two bucks. You guys spoke about it at two bucks as well. BP before podcast. (laughs) Um, So yeah, that to me was a success story. And so if you can make money from someone else making money, it's it's a win-win. So I think I think that's what it's all about, just benefiting from someone else's success. Mm, nice backing, one. backing someone else in. Yeah. So you don't have to actually do anything. You just <laughs> <laughs> give, them, give them some money. Yeah. Well, it's all about passive investing, yeah. right? Yeah. So we all want to uh, ultimately, you know, live wherever we want, if that's what you desire, live wherever you want and make money for your investments. So you, you can do that with uh, with the share market, which is why I love investing. Mm. Yeah. Good answer. It is. It's so good. You can just own a company that goes and 
has incredible ideas, hires the smartest people and works to make you more money. Absolutely. It's pretty unique. It's what yeah. it's all about. Jess, you mentioned Afterpay and this isn't going to be an Afterpay heavy conversation, but when you last came on the show, we asked you for some bold predictions and we want to start there because we love bold predictions and it. you were brave enough to come back and see how you went. And the first one was about Afterpay. So we'll go one by one, I think. Let's so your first bold prediction on the 10th of June, so what, five months ago now? Yes, sir. Was an Afterpay pay prediction. And Bryce, I think, introduced it by saying it would be a top 10 stock. So he was wrong about that. <laughs> um, but you said Afterpay would be a top 15 stock by the end of the year. How's that going? Yes, more like <laughs> Afterpay after yay. It is exactly top 15. Yeah, you've nailed it. I'm not joking. It's it's grown from our last catch up. Mm top 23 to a top 15. And look, I think that this Oz NZ giant, because of its success overseas, is is going to continue to move north. Yeah. You, yeah. Go, you watch, you'll go nuts today. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. I think the tech stocks today, uh, because uh, they were sold overnight, investors... And, and, it's actually a good point. Yeah. yeah. No, no, investors no. I like are, this. This is a head-to-head battle. Investors <laughs> are rotating. Yes, Jess yes. is saying it'll go down. Bryce oh, is saying it'll yeah, go up. It Let's is. see. <laughs> Look, it's all, about, it's all about the long term, though. But smart investors listening to this podcast sometimes uh, take these dips as opportunities to buy in. But typically, when tech stocks are sold down in the US... They're sold down in Oz, and that's because investors are questioning that they're overpriced. Mm. There's more value in cyclicals that are cheaper. Mm. So to put some context to that, overnight the Nasdaq actually finished down despite the announcement of Pfizer. Yeah. The S&P 500 finished up. You can imagine, as Jess just said, the Nasdaq finishing down because the likes of DocuSign, you know, Zoom, Zoom, <laughs> Zoom. all those companies Netflix. that have just – Netflix. Yeah, Apple. Yeah. Apple that have been going gangbusters because of covid have now had the wind taken from their sails mm. somewhat. So yeah, let's, let, it's all important to keep it in perspective. <laughs> yeah. Like they've still had incredible Huge years. Huge run, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They have, they have. I'm still backing in Afterpay yeah, for the Yeah, I know you are. You're going <laughs> to back Afterpay until the end. So Jess, to put some numbers on it, you're, as you said, it's now exactly 15th. Yep. So you nailed that prediction. It's got a market cap of, what, 29.8 billion. 14th on the list is Telstra with 34 billion. So mm. question without notice, do you think it will catch Telstra by the end of the year? No, not by the end of the year, too okay. soon. So yeah. I don't know, like we've got the Santa Claus rally coming, right? So I think Telstra does have some upside, but how much shopping can you do online to push Afterpay to become... Well, yeah, like a lot of lot of retail spending over Christmas. Yeah, I think probably next year may be more likely to kick Telstra off their throne. So, And then after that, you know, you, you're rustling with the big boys. Yeah, yeah. So. Jeez, CSL, <laughs> CSL, look out. <laughs> CSL's our be, biggest company on the ASX. That would be, what, 10 times what it is now. Isn't CSL about $300 billion? Uh, 140, I'm going to say. Oh, right, okay. Anyway, so just the second bold prediction, and this was released on the 10th of June, so uh, recorded 10th of June. It was that the ASX, you said that the fundamentals of the index look strong and look to be on the path for recovery. So this was obviously post uh, the March coronavirus correction, and you were predicting the index will rise at least 14%, a very specific, but then I've come in to say I'm predicting the ASX will rise more than 14%. So... Since recording on June 10, how's it looking? 
Not as good. <laughs> so the markets had a few corrections in that time. And so what a main borough correction, so a, a fall of around uh, 7% and then we recovered. So all in all, the market's now up about 2.5% from that day that we last spoke. Yeah, so pretty flat. I mean, the market's been going sideways pretty much from the date that you picked. I think we should put some context on this. If we had recorded with Jess five days later, like on the 15th of June, the market was up, the market's up over 10% from there. She, yeah. We recorded right at a little <laughs> little high point, Yeah. Um, but yeah, relatively flat from the exact day that we recorded. What, what, are you so seeing, what are you seeing with it now? As you spoke about at the open, so we've got a COVID vaccine that's very, very close. Australia went into production this week with CSL. So this is a big part of the recovery and COVID vaccine is widely expected to be available mid next year. On top of that, you've got uncertainty passing with the US election, interest rates at an all time low. So the fundamentals are still strong, but it's likely to be pretty much flat until we actually have this COVID vaccine. So what do I mean by flat? So the market it's expected to, you know, kind of plateau and see these ebbs and flows until we definitely have a COVID vaccine. Mm. I'm interested in that because if investors are investing on, you know, the basis of future expectations and future cash flow, I would have expected people to start getting very excited sort of now with yeah. Pfizer's results and CSL's manufacturing. Why is it that it will be a bit flatter for a little bit longer? We still don't really have certainty. We still have Brazil. Their cases are hitting all-time highs. You've got Germany and France in lockdown. So you've got all these economic powerhouses, even though Brazil is an emerging economy. But you have all these large cogs of the economy and going into global GDP that are still holding us back. So you've still got a very large portion of the world that is still underemployed. So that's a big part of it. So it's all about production. So global production is still waning, but it is making a recovery. We saw the recent GDP data out of the US. We saw a very sharp recovery in their last quarter. So there are signs that things are improving. Going to your initial point about earnings picking up, yes, earnings are definitely still picking up for a lot of companies. So you just have to really pay attention to those companies that are seeing earnings momentum because, remember, earnings momentum drives share price growth as well. What's interesting is if a vaccine does come out, will we have seen structural change that stays the way it is in terms of the way people are working and where people are choosing to live and that sort of stuff? Or will a vaccine revert back to the old ways of doing things? That's what I find hard thinking about. What are you backing in going forward? Mm -hmm. Like DocuSign's getting, got slammed last night. Well, does that mean everyone's thinking that we're going to go back to the face-to-face -face signing things on paper or? Netflix Netflix was down about 8%. What does that mean that people are not going to be subscribing and watching? No, <laughs> watching Netflix, online Netflix is down because everyone's scared of Stan Sport. It's disrupting <laughs> the industry. <laughs> no, I, to your question there, Bryce, like some of those things won't change. Like business travel will take a while to pick up because of Zoom and all of that. You know, it's so easy to docu-sign, but... I reckon people are creatures of habit and people will yeah, go back to it. I think um, if you look at history, so remember uh, SARS is kind of like the most notable pandemic that we had that we can draw a likely comparison. So after SARS, we saw global travel didn't really pick up and people were quite hesitant to travel. 
and that flying fear flew through to domestic travel as well. So we had less people who are less inclined to travel. So there definitely is a hesitation, Mm. don't you think? I've actually got a bet with a mate of mine. He said that global travel will never hit the levels it hit pre-COVID, like ever again which I just don't think is going to mm. happen. I, I think mm. it will come back eventually. Did you put money on that? Or? Uh, I think we put a case, case of beer, beer on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good anyway, anyway, this, isn't about, yeah. this isn't about my bold predictions. This is about your bold predictions, Jess. So <laughs> the third one was uh, that Aussie tech stocks will continue to boom. How do you think that's gone? Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so the the tech sector in Australia, so of all the sectors, it's the only one that's seen a monumental gain Mm. and it's up about in the order of 30% from July. So it's just been extraordinary. So, I mean, it's not just the afterpays, it's it's the zip, but it's the zeros, it's the up and so the companies that are, you know, doing deals and that are behind developing Siri for you know, for Apple. So these incredible companies that these local powerhouses that are listed here, but doing great things overseas. And it's all about, you know, the working from home thematic that's helping as well. You know, you've got WiseTech that has seen a significant rebound. That's a, a logistics company. So there's lots at play in the tech sector. Yeah. Yeah. And some IPOs that are sort of growing the tech sector a little bit, I guess, you know, I mean, Adore Beauty is kind of retail kind of e-commerce yeah. yeah dough and like a lot of those like yeah. banks and stuff like yeah. that so it's good to see the it sector is moving beyond those sort of five wax stocks that yeah held it up for so long yeah it's definitely evolving i mean look at afterpay really taking a step out of the payment sector almost somewhat it's now beyond buy now pay later it's more about budgeting so mm. quite similar to what doe did it's more about helping people with their finances so it'll be interesting to see how that picks up overseas to wrap up this bold predictions actually just to put some numbers on the aussie tech predictions so the information sector in australia up yeah 28 almost 30 percent the next best sector consumer discretionary up 15%. So I think we can well and truly give that bold prediction a tick. Mm -hmm. So you absolutely nailed Afterpay to the point where you picked its exact number, 15th in the ASX 200. Got the Aussie tech stocks one. And the ASX 200 one, I think we have to wait until the end of the year. If if people become absolutely exuberant around a vaccine and, you know, things opening up for Christmas... You know, Qantas, Flight Centre, Sydney Airport all start running, you know, as people are like getting back on planes and getting overseas. Mm. Things could move quickly. I don't I'm not saying that's the most likely outcome, but you know, it's not out of the question. Yeah, there's definitely some big catalyst behind it. I mean, just looking at the last 40 days, the market is up 10%. So another interesting thing is that the if you look at it from a charting perspective for the ASX 200, so we've reached a real pivotal point. We were there a couple of weeks ago. So what's a pivotal point? From, so from a charting perspective, the short term, the 50-day moving average crossed above the longer term 20-day moving average price for the Aussie share market index. This is just really a technical trend that basically tells you that the market is likely to move higher just if you look at the charting. Mm. But then you've got those those fundamentals that we spoke about, you know, COVID vaccine being baked in. And then you've also got uh, fiscal stimulus, bond buying, and you've got record low interest rates. So all of these things are supportive of the Aussie share market. Interesting. Equity mates, we will just take a short break to hear from our sponsors. So Jess, we've just closed out bold predictions for 2020. Before we move on to looking forward, what are some, I guess, 
major lessons that you've learned from the markets in, in 2020 from an investor behavior point of view or performance of market? What are some key takeaways? Well, there's three. The first one is expect the unexpected. There's always uncertainty in markets. Mm-hmm. With that, use volatility as your friend. So we know October is the rockiest month in history for markets and we saw that. Absolutely. And now we're coming out on the other side of that into the Santa Claus rally. So with that, there's a December-Jan rally. So this is historically the most bullish time for markets. So really think about how you can use this. So buy low, sell high if you're a short-term investor. But ultimately look for companies that are in growth sectors and look at buying in the dip. So use volatility and market falls as your friend. The second thing is long-term investing success. Definitely relies on your stock picking success, but also your ability to weigh up everything. So economic growth, interest rates, productivity, which we spoke about. So what am I saying here? So we spoke about the tech sector. The tech sector is up about 30% so far from when we last caught up. The tech sector is likely to cool a bit and now we're likely to see cyclicals outperform. So banking stocks, mining stocks, industrials. So those investors that have done really well have been nimble and they've adjusted their portfolios. So they've kind of gone overweight into tech and then now they're going overweight into cyclicals. And the last thing is it's a consideration, something for people to think about. I guess we've seen boredom activity reach all-time highs. So we saw gaming activity reach all-time highs in COVID. And with that came gambling as well. Home renovations, interestingly, also hit an all-time high in the pandemic. But what didn't hit an all-time high was investor education. But what did was interest in the stock market. Mm, So that's mm. at an all-time high. So why am I saying all of this? So I think all of us need to spend a little bit more time educating ourselves and being wiser with our investment decisions. So a recent ASX survey found that 36% of people are actually asking their friends and family for advice. Some people are still asking Google. So there are plenty of good online brokers. For goodness sake, they all put out our stock tips. So just take heed of their messaging. They do give unbiased advice without agenda. Mm. So they're my three tips. Nice. Well, we're here to educate, so that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't give stock tips, though. We no. Do, everything we do is educational in general. <laughs> love it, love it. The flip side of that question around what you've learned and what you've seen in 2020 is, are there any trends that you're noticing at Bell Direct that perhaps can give us some insight into what's going on in the market more generally? Yeah, definitely. So what is uh, really sticking out is the increase of new investors. So we've seen new time investors hit an all-time high. Investors' intentions to invest are also at an all-time high. So almost 1 million Aussies said that they want to invest in the share market over the next 12 months. Mm. And about 51% of those intending investors are female which is really good to see. This is actually an all-time high. So females have never wanted to invest and been so hungry to get started than they ever have before. So this is really, really pleasing to see. But what is quite interesting, though, with female investing is us gals, although we like now doing it for ourselves, uh, we actually tend to be a little less diversified than men. We hold fewer assets. Men are more diversified. We're also likely to take on less risk. So we leave the risk to the burly blokes. And we also are less inclined to buy ETFs and REITs, which is a real estate investment trust, so listed property trust. So there's a few really interesting trends 
trends. But all in all, we know that investors are looking to put cash to work into equities. The majority of those intending to invest are female. And there's also a very large amount of 18 to 24-year-olds who want to invest as well. There's about 290,000 18 to 24-year-olds who want to invest for the first time. So some really, really exciting trends. Yeah, that's cool. Bryce has been ringing up the ASX trying to take credit for that 18 to 24-year-old number. (laughs) (laughs) I was was actually just going to take a note to myself to be like, Get in contact with ASX because I want more information about that data. Oh, that's so good. I can give it to you. Oh, thanks, Jess. Yeah. Stop. Screw you, ASX. <laughs> we're, a, we're a Chi-X and NSX only podcast. No oh, ASX. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. oh, sorry. No, so no, no, d- we're disclaimer. Not, we're no. not biting the hand that feeds us. <laughs> oh, okay. Disclaimer, uh, though, that data was from the ASX. In yeah, yeah, Australian yeah. Investors yeah. Survey. survey, yeah. yeah. You hear about it overseas a lot, The like the Robin Hood investor and people trying to invest younger and younger and it it feels like that's really starting to pick up in Australia. Hmm. I think what's behind that as well is what the survey also found is that people actually thought that you had to invest with $1,600 about two years ago and now it's actually dropped to about $2,000. Well, actually, guys, you don't need to start with $2,000 to invest. You only need 500 bucks. Yeah, And with well, some apps, you can do it with yeah, much less say, than yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so there's plenty of ways to invest and it's never been so easy. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty crazy how quickly technology has made this all so accessible. But, yeah, anyway, that's exciting. Bryce, we'll leave you to call the ASX after this interview. <laughs> <laughs> So Jess, given your success for your 2020 bold predictions, we would be remiss if we didn't ask you about your outlook for 2021. What are some of the things you're coming to expect? What are some of the sectors you're watching? What are you looking at for 2021? So broadly, I'll just say there's a couple of different things. So first one is there's a lot of COVID catalysts. So we've got borders easing, there's hope of a vaccine. We've got lower for longer interest rates supporting share market growth. We've got the wake of the election. So every year after a US election, the Aussie share market has rallied six and a half to 40%. Wow. Yeah. Hopefully it's a 40% year. (laughs) Yeah. So that's just looking over the past 36 years. We've also got the Santa Claus rally upon us. So the Santa Claus rally traditionally starts pretty soon. So a late November and goes through to mid-December and then it can follow through to Jan. So there's that to consider. Cyclicals are set to outperform. So we spoke about that earlier. So Do you want to just quickly define cyclicals for those that may have just joined the show? What do you mean by that? Okay, so a cyclical stock is kind of as a name suggests from an economic perspective. So those things that go with the ebbs and flows of an economic cyclical calendar, I guess, so to speak. So they're things like your banking stocks. So people tend to save more, invest more with a bank. They feel more bullish and likely to, uh, you know, take out a loan or mortgages increase when the economy is expanding. So cyclicals do well in growth periods. So other cyclicals include mining stocks. You've also got industrials. Industrials are like, you know, Qantas, Flight Centre, yep. Webjet, etc. We're basically uh, returning to the good old days. So earnings will drive share price growth or is likely to drive share price growth from here on in. So that's something to consider. So tech is touted to lose its shine. Investors are going to favour quality companies with low debt, solid earnings. So speaking about industrials, which are tipped to rally, industrials, remember, are cyclical. So in industrial You've got travel, as Bryce said. So earnings are likely to pick up for the second busiest flight route in the world. 
Sydney to Melbourne. That's reopening as soon as this podcast is brought to air. Qantas, their share price momentum is building up. So they're up 43% from August. Their 50-day moving average has crossed above its longer-term 200-day. That Again, a bullish signal signifying that there's further share price growth. Secondly, uh, their capacity will increase from 30 to 40%. Flight centre could be worth a look as well, reporting rising demand, healthy cash flow. Don't forget Alliance Aviation. They're a fly-in, fly-out mining industry provider. Energy expected to lose its shine because of the thematic and this new set trend from working from home. And lastly, the US dollar is tipped to fall. So that should support the gold price in theory over the long term. And then last but not least, there'll be a preference and outperformance in small cap stocks over large caps. So these are likely to benefit from the recovery more so because first of all, they're trading at a discount to the broader market. Secondly, uh, they're supported by budgetary support, but still in small caps, look for high quality names as well. So solid repeatable earnings, strong cash flows. So, you know, some companies that I like in small caps include NRW. So they're a mining services contractor. They continue to win contracts that supports cash flows. Medical Developments, a small company, they produce the green whistle. So whether you're down at the, the beach and you break a toe, I'll keep it PG, you break a toe and you need some pain relief, you'll get a suck of the green whistle. That's applied by MVP. Other smaller companies that are tipped to do well include audio networking company, Ordinate, family tracking app, Life360, and an intellectual property firm called Quantum IP. But they're just some examples, but basically to summarise, small caps out to perform, cyclicals to out to perform. So those that are pegged to the economic recovery. So move away from tech, I suspect, or I suspect investors and fund managers will move away from tech to cyclicals. And then uh, keep in mind that there's lots of catalysts for the Aussie share market. So uh, lower for longer interest rates. US election is behind us every year that a share market rallies after US election and we've got COVID restrictions easing and borders opening up. Epic. Yeah. A lot to think about there, Jess. I've taken notes of all of them so you're on the hook and we'll, <laughs> we'll, um, we'll check back in in 2021 to see how all of that plays out. But thank you for your time today. Thank great you. To, great to review what was 2020 and perhaps a year to forget for some. Very interesting year to be involved in the markets, that's for sure. And, and we look forward to uh, checking in 2021 to all these bold predictions. Tech will lose its shine. Know, Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> a bit of shine. Interesting. A bit of shine. A bit of shine. Yeah, it, it's very shiny at the moment, so it could, lo- it could afford to lose a bit of shine. <laughs> so again, Jess, uh, thanks for your time today. Always good to chat and looking forward to catching up again. Thank you so much and thank you for all you do and um, I'm so happy that my friends and family listened along to Equity Mates. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening to Equity Mates Investing Podcast, a production of Equity Mates Media. Please remember that everything you hear in Equity Mates Investing Podcast is general advice only. The content has been prepared without knowing your personal objectives, specific financial circumstances or goals. The host of Equity Mates Investing Podcast may maintain positions in the companies discussed. Before considering any investment, please read the product disclosure statement and consider speaking to a licensed financial professional. 